0: Mary Seacall. Mrs. Seacole to you. Please tell me you're not about to engage Sontarans in battle. I accept your offer of a massacre. Discussing network presents discussing who a Doctor Who podcast this is episode two fifty nine and we will be reviewing War of the Santarans so first things first, I want to welcome back Lee Shackleford Lee. how are you? Uh, may death rain down on you both human
1: scum for the glory of the Santaran Empire of course for the glory of the santaran empire no i I'm grand I just uh, I'm happy because, you know, I, I love the Sontarans, so. Yeah. Yeah, really good and glad to be uh, talking about this with
0: you guys. Awesome. So glad that you are back to your piano roots tonight because you are <laughs> grand. Been waiting mm-hmm. for you to be grand again. Exactly. But what is also grand is that I get to say welcome back Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I have a human in this fight. <laughs> glad to be here, man. <laughs> Well, at least you have a human. That's all I can say. He's got a human. Well, for me, I will say I'm glad, of course, to always be with you. I feel a little bit like we're in flux this week. No pun, or literally a pun intended, because it's not Tuesday night, but we're discussing who. We're on Wednesday. It's like we wibbly wobbly kind of got like weeping angels sent to another night of the week. But we're here.
1: And when people listen to this, it probably won't be Tuesday night anyways.
0: It probably won't. But (laughs) considering, Lee, you just said, when people listen to this, what if we had someone listening for the first time or whether they've been listening to us from the very beginning? I think you have something that
1: you like to tell people who are listening. And what would that be? I, I do. No matter who you are. Um, and, uh, why you've come to us, you, we, we recognize that you could have been doing something else. So we really appreciate you doing that. It's a, it's a little gift and we want to try to give you something back. We'll do our best. And if you are so inclined,
2: you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review and also telling a friend, if you have something you want us to talk about, you know, send us some, send it along in a, in an email at discussing who at gmail.com or hit us up at Discussing Who on any and all social medias.
0: And, of course, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcast, go and leave us a review. We would very much appreciate it, of course. We will read it on the show. And if you do leave us a review, that does help us rank up in the feeds of the great Apple algorithm. And we would, again, very much appreciate it. So since you guys mentioned email i want to give a shout out to our friend bill l he communicates often to us by email so a big shout out to him i know he is listening to us at some point in his future so cheers to you bill and for everyone else listening i just want to say if you have not seen war of the Santarans, put us on pause go out watch the episode come back because from this Moment forward. Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What's spoilers? And I killed Sparky too. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, we are back, and the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review the War of the Suntarans. This is the second episode of the 2021 series of Doctor Who, also known as Flux, also known as Series 13. Summary view. Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. What did you think?
2: Really enjoyed this episode. Whereas in the first one, I didn't feel like I got a complete story. I definitely feel like I got a great sort of beginning and ending to this one. Of course, the previous episode was setting all of that up, (laughs) so we're kind of riding, riding off of the energy from the first, from chapter one. But yeah, I really enjoyed this episode, all aspects of it, and I can't wait to dive into more of it.
1: Same here. I just, uh, I enjoyed every every aspect of this, and uh, it it is. Yeah, I can only echo what Clarence said. There, there were fewer obvious introductions to characters and situations. And now we're getting into the, uh, uh, the complication with those characters. We're getting to understand what, what they want and what's going on with them. And what a cliffhanger. Holy smoke. Um, Mm. I I thought there was no way to top last week's cliffhanger, but um, I'm biting my nails waiting to find out if yes, it's going to be okay. So, you know, that they, they kept talking about this as a return to classic who. And of course, Having a six part story is that's absolutely classic. Who and um, how many times I said, Oh, oh, I know Sarah's going to be okay, but oh, I want to see how, <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, so here we are. How about you?
0: I had a realization about myself watching this, and my realization about myself is, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but I'm going to admit it, which is. I think a part of me has enjoyed disliking Chibnall because it almost pains me to say that I agree with you both 100%. I really enjoyed this. And I think there's some little voice inside my head that's saying, Kyle, you're not supposed to like this, but I really, really, really liked it. I enjoyed it. For, for
2: me, what really made me gravitate toward this one, and maybe you know my my classic historians here can tell me a little bit more, but it seemed like we explored the Centaurans a bit more than you know especially from Nuhu than i that i had, than I had ever seen some of how they live their lives and how they work and how they are able to sustain in our environment and things like that, all of those nuggets of the Santarans just was fascinating to me.
1: Oh, absolutely! We're we're really taking them seriously and digging in deep on the Santarans. Um, the uh, the first time we saw them was back in nineteen seventy three, I think. Um, and uh, and that even gets called out in this episode. We get to mention uh, when Lynx first staked his claim on this planet, and now they're now they're they're calling in that ticket. But, you know, even then, Red um, uh, Lynx was just sort of a you know potato head in a, in a suit of armor and, uh, uh, and sort of growling and t- calling us scum. But that's been about it. But that little glimpse of um, um, one of our own, <laughs> a, a Suntaran that we've, we've really sort of feel like we've gotten to know, watching mm-hmm. him get sh- gunned down by his superior, and apparently that's what you do. I felt sorry for him and and i think that that scene was intended to to produce some some shame some it's like oh well he's awful but oh, but nobody deserves that Ow. ooh yeah, yeah. but uh, that's mercy uh, in their eyes yes yeah that was mercy which makes you wonder what was the alternative so mm.
0: yeah. and an interesting thing that that complements what you guys are saying is santar ha is a battle cry or, or a mm. statement of positivity. Something is going well. Santar
1: Ho is the negative. It's almost like they were teaching us a little bit of the language, but yeah. Yes. And he had to echo it. Santar Ho. And
0: didn't it also sting just a little bit, even though we know their clones and variations, etc. and so forth, but that still the same actor, and this—it's still a Santar, and it—it it was stung a little bit more because that
1: strikes that you're yeah. that you're killing. That's it. In a they way. all sound like Dan Starkey because yes, most of them are. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> it's like all those lizard women we meet—they—they they all seem to <laughs> <Yeah>. uncannily resemble <laughs> Nev McIntosh. Yeah. Yes, but, but very brilliantly.
0: But, by the way, absolutely. And this is maybe the only thing that I had a negative for with the Suntarans. The fact of they slip in right at the key moment before the Carbonista go and shield the planet from the flux. Do we think this is a convenient storytelling element and lee i'll point that to you first do you think that's a convenient storytelling element or do you think there was more to this
1: than what we know no i i was i believed that that seemed credible to me because in conversation we heard that the the Santarans uh were aware of what the lupari were up to they're aware of the flux and so they they were able to take advantage. And, you know, uh, if you're a warrior race, you got to be opportunistic. They're, uh, if they're going to swarm like insects, they, they look for a weakness and they, so they, they knew that weakness existed and they were able to, to take advantage of it. It's, it made sense to me.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent that they would take advantage of the situation. Now I may be a little bit confused on some of the timing. Did they know the, Carvinista and his people would be able to protect the planet, so they can execute their plan. Uh, mm. That may be a little bit up in the air, but I do like the idea of them seeing a situation and and jumping in to try to, you know, take on Earth, which they've been unable to conquer all these years because it's been under the protection of the doc- doctor. Excuse me. So yeah, I, I did like that them just having the opportunity to get in there and and. I didn't feel like they were shoved into the story by any means. I feel like it fit well.
1: Okay, mm. but you raise a good point, though. I was forgetting that that the shield didn't exist until the Doctor suggested it. And last week, I was saying I I didn't buy the fact that seven billion with a B spaceships were, were <laughs> that all of the other doggies agreed. Instantly, and we're able to implement this plan. I mean, you just have to think of the sheer physical space that that is if you're going to shield the earth. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. And they did it just like that. But yeah, now we're being asked to believe that the Santarans neither knew they were going to do that or that they saw it happening. And we're able to get there in that split second. I, I Yeah. <laughs> but see, it,
0: uh, I'm wavering on this now. But see, my biggest takeaway from this is more or less on the semantics that I brought up and a little bit more leaning to what I'm beginning to take away from it is we're presenting the Suntarans differently in the sense of, the way they have pre- been presented, at least in my opinion, 2005 forward is we call them a warrior race, but for intents and purposes, they're not that bright. They're vicious, well, but maybe not that bright. Is that just me? But they're seeming more bright now. Just well,
2: they, they, they came up with the ability to time travel, which is one of the big issues I had with the episode itself. It just seems like if it's not only the time lords that are able to travel in time, it seems problematic for the Doctor and just the stories in general. So they yeah. had to be kind of smart to be able to <laughs> kinda. travel in time.
1: We can't do it. Mm. Yeah, that's always been my problem with the with the Daleks becoming time-traveling race. So now it's the Suntarans, too. Jeez. That makes me wonder, is someone...
0: Going out and populating people with the ability to travel through time. So,
2: well, we do have the anchor of this episode being the time planet. And yeah. excuse me for forgetting the name. So, maybe it all ties <laughs> it's in. time, yeah, you didn't forget. <laughs> no, so, so, so maybe everything ties into them having the ability to time travel. Maybe all of that is going to tie in later I, and make more sense.
1: I like it. I hope mm, that's it. Yeah.
0: But the simple fact of you can sit there and watch it and go, wow, I just think is another reason why Flux is working for me is because it keeps presenting things that make your mind click, 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 click and want you to watch the next week. And that's what I wish that Chibnall would have been giving us all along. And maybe all of this is a big setup to what we're watching now. And again, we're going to go away saying oh my goodness this dude was so brilliant we just didn't see it I hope that's the case but I'm just enjoying this (laughs) all right so let me ask you guys a question we meet Dan's mom and dad do we like meeting his family was it too much was it was it just the right amount what
1: are you thinking Lee why don't you take this first um, I liked them and I, I'm glad that they were out uh, meeting the Suntarans hand to hand. It reminded me of, um, you know, it's what Jackie Tyler would do. So uh, talk about calling back to earlier and the the new who. Um, so I, yeah, I, I like that, especially the fact that Neville is equipped with a walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is actually I'll go ahead and say it's my favorite line is that when he he very solemnly hands it over to Dan and says, take this, you might need it. It's just Mm -hmm. it's like he's handing him Excalibur or something, but he's giving him a walk. I just and it works,
2: you know, is that not some of the funniest scenes uh, we've seen lately in Doctor Who Dan just parading around this facility with this walk held up like it's like you yes. said
1: like it's a lightsaber it's right. or something <laughs> i guess i'm just gonna walk out of here oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was that
0: sounds like a kyle worthy one mm. yeah it did it sounded like something i would have said but you know what i think maybe the fact that this guy is a comedian is what is making him so good at his delivery. Ah. Because, speaking of New Who and a throwback, you know, I remember another comedian that Kyle maybe said I don't think would make a good companion and consistently is voted as one of the best companions of New Who, Donna Noble, Catherine Tate. So... You know, and you you brought a throwback talking about Jackie Tyler. I even got a Wilf and Sylvia, um, you know, feel from Donna's mother and grandfather. That's
1: right. So, yeah, well, because I could definitely see the two things. of them
0: squabbling exactly, but yet out there fighting. Yeah. Theirs was Daleks. This was Santarin's. <laughs> what do we think about seeing the return of the Carvinista? seeing the dog back in the fight, so to speak. <laughs> what do we think about seeing him return? And Clarence, why don't you take this first? What did you think about seeing him return?
2: Well, thank God he did return. Uh, we wouldn't have any more Dan. That's true. <laughs> For some reason, carvinista and, and Dan just work together. Um, it's, it's the banter back and forth. Uh, They've formed this, I guess they always had it, if you believe, Kavanista, but they have this bond that is it, that you can very much tell on screen to where even when they're bickering and throwing one-liners back and forth, jabs back and forth, you could tell there there's a love that is formed mm-hmm. <laughs> between the two, and you know, I just thought any moment with those two on screen was just real fun. And now they're the protectors of Earth to, until the doctor gets back. So. I guess so.
1: <laughs> what do you think, Lee? <laughs> oh, no, Dan went off with the doctor, but yes. They were left uh, Kavanista by himself. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But in that moment, just exactly what you're saying, and I really, really love this moment, is that as Dan walks away, he says, hope I never see you again. Yeah, The feeling's mutual, <laughs> Kavanista says. And then Dan looks back, gives him a little nod, and Kavanista nods back like, yeah, I got you. Which it's is so there. cool. That just it's it's so uh, eloquent that that silence, little gesture, really nice, and good acting. Yeah. So good. Acting. That's it. That's acting, man. Yes,
2: and and in the moment when they had just got out of the water, and you have a soggy dog here, I'm not supposed to be buying
0: this, but
2: <laughs> it just it works for some reason. And, it just really works, and it's not
0: <laughs> corny, even though it is. Well, yeah, and uh, it and, doesn't
1: come across as corny. And and we can love it, even though Star Wars fans may be howling at the fact that these guys are cornered inside the ship. And so, uh, Cavanista shoots oh. a hole in the wall and they go out through the garbage chute.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: Wait a minute. I've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Like, how do he? how do he know that
2: that hole was? Th- mm.
0: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Well, yeah. I just realized I made a mistake earlier. I was calling the race Carvanista. The The race I remember now are the Lupari. Lupari. Yeah. The Carvanista is the name of this particular Lupari, but it is Lupari. I, so correcting myself there. So I'm curious. Let's go back in the past specifically to where the doctor is because she is left alone She has the TARDIS whose doors disappear and is stuck in the past. I'm going to open it up to either of you, but I want to ask the question of, number one, what did you think of the doors disappearing? And number two, let's talk Mary
1: Seacole. Either one of you, take it away. (laughs) That's two people and two questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, go well, for it. Right. Okay, but I loved it all. Because you know, I love anything that deals with the uh the TARDIS's uh uh dimensional transcendentalism.
0: All right, and, so let's
1: take that one first. Yeah, the TARDIS's so, lack of doors. Go for yeah. it. Just I love the way this is revealed cinematically, that she goes up and she is going where she thinks the door is. Well, no, this is the back. Okay. Okay, it's not over here, so it must be the side. Okay. So this means this must be the uh-oh <laughs> so she does another whole circuit and there's no door and um you know she knows that's possible <laughs> that there's that's yeah. it's probably a, a miracle this hasn't happened before but it's not supposed to and it mean, and, and since she is under attack she's about to be discovered by the suntarans this is very very bad and it's just i just think it's a great moment well it brings up a lot of mysteries about
2: what's actually going on with the TARDIS we see as we did in the last episode, where it just seems like to continue to go haywire. And, um, it just makes me wonder because we know we have the time planet going crazy at the same time. So is the TARDIS somehow linked to the time planet or because time is being, uh, manipulated in general, is kind of causing the TARDIS to go haywire. Um, and help me out. What is the 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 engine of the TARDIS that we saw in the Journey to the Center of the TARDIS?
0: Eye I, I of Harmony.
2: The Eye of Harmony. Didn't we speculate that that's the same same Eye of Harmony in every TARDIS? That's kind of what we came. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was well, our conclusion. We we yeah. like to we like to say that because it makes
1: our brains feel good. <laughs> because mm-hmm. once we were told that the Eye of Harmony is on Gallifrey, and then since then we've seen that it's in the TARDIS. So yeah, I had said, okay, why not both? <laughs> so
2: yeah, well, it just seems like somehow, of course, the TARDIS is linked to time, so it, it's something going on with that that's causing it to go all haywire but i do like the distortions and the changes i think it's all fun and was it did i see you guys post or maybe on facebook i saw where people were showing that the doctor who images that they're using on their twitter account have been changing every week as
0: well yes mm-hmm. yes
1: that the logo is eroding yeah interesting Hmm. very interesting yeah i hadn't noticed it until somebody uh until I saw where somebody had caught that and pointed it out, but uh, that's a that's a cool graphic idea.
0: Mm. It's eroding. So I'm curious if that is even after this sixth... Okay, so even after this six-part thing, you know what would be really, really cool is if it continues to erode through the third special of next year because my gut would tell me because i know i if i were a new showrunner coming in i would want a new logo to to brand my but i think that would be kind of cool if that logo kept eroding until the regeneration
1: mm-hmm.
0: i just think yeah all right so let's switch over to mary mary seacole and clarence i'll let you start first what did you think of this character and her portrayal, her story? What did you think?
2: I think the actor Sarah Powell, was excellent in the role. I I just bought seeing her on screen trying to portray this, and I'm a little confused on who Mary Seacole was. I didn't research it. This is the one time I didn't go research the 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 the, the uh, historical figure here, but apparently her thing is accurate record keeping and or hotels slash nursing
1: (laughs) anybody (laughs) yeah yeah real person uh really uh set up uh an emergency hospital on the fields of the the, during the crimean war in sebastopol and um uh kind of an all-around amazing person um it's like uh, we venerate Florence Nightingale, but she was kind of on one end of this uh, disaster, and uh, Mary Seacole was on the other. Just yeah, uh, and, and she did. Uh, they told her that she can't set up a hospital. I don't know why. Uh, many people have speculated that it's it's about her her race. She's from J- she was Jamaican, um, hmm. but um, so she said, okay, it's it's a hotel
2: oh okay yeah. that's cool and
1: in jamaica if you're a woman who practices medicine they called you a doctoress that so, makes sense yeah so that's why she uh, even calls the doctor and, doctors
0: and according to wikipedia she was argu- arguably the f- first nurse practitioner
1: is what yeah that, what mm-hmm. it's saying here yeah and yeah. that
0: um although yeah. in in 1991 she was uh, posthum- posthumously awarded the Jamaican Order of Merit. And in 2004,
1: she was voted the greatest black Briton. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Greatest black Briton. How about that? You know, I think that's when I first heard of her. That I, I remember hearing that announcement thinking, wow, I need to find out who that is. <laughs> that's amazing. I never heard of her. Yeah. but Let's yeah. See, she was born in
0: 18. 18- 1805, and she died in 1881 at age 75 and looking at this picture that i'm looking at again on wikipedia so for anybody listening just search her name on wikipedia the actress that we got to see definitely would fit a younger version of this
1: picture it's it's very happy casting yeah And I had just seen Sarah Powell in the uh, uh, *Midsummer Murders. Uh, So I've, I've, I had to kind of squint at her as uh, Mary Seacole. I'm thinking, wait a minute. I know her. I know that accent. Who is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's great. Well,
0: one thing I really liked about this, and they didn't just point out, even though they did it in subtle ways You've got this person who is referring to herself as a doctress, who is being a caregiver and caring for these people. And you've got this other person who walks in and proclaims, I am the doctor and, you know, expecting all of this recognition for being the doctor. And I think we got to see done very well something that we wanted to see and we talked about wanting to see when we first learned that there was a female doctor coming, which was the treatment of her being different because the doctor was a woman as opposed to if this were David Tennant or if this were Peter Capaldi or if this were Tom Baker or colin baker or whomever thoughts about that scene where the doctor is basically told put your hands up behind your head and surrender
1: thoughts yeah. boy, you're exactly right that is something that i specifically said i was looking forward to and um and here it is And, it, and the moment just went right past me but yeah this is it exactly the and one of the most interesting things about the episode really to me is general Logan's flat refusal to listen to her. And and you know, it's just because she's a woman. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you, you brought that up too. Cause Logan, he was, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the episodes where you have the one human that won't listen to reason. <laughs> yeah. That and is, that is the thing. It's almost like, me? yeah, it's almost like another villain in the episode. But now that you made that point, it makes a l- little bit more sense to me, because we've been seeing the doctor for so long. I've kind of even just forgot about those things. We were kind of looking for at first to see her going to the past and handle these different situations. It kind of flew over my head in this episode. I didn't even, didn't even really think about it. So yeah, that makes more sense now that you pointed out. Actually, but he still was a jerk. He still was a jerk.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's even more so a jerk. And it's just, sim- this is very reminiscent of uh, our, I believe, I think we are in agreement that our favorite Christmas episode is going to be the Christmas invasion, the very first Christmas episode, where at the very end we have the Sidorak C- leaving, and yet Harriet Jones says fire. And here, we've got a similar doctor being very mad at the Centaurs are leaving and, Oh, here goes, let's blow them up instead.
1: Yep. And, um, serious spoiler for a classic, uh, series episode. But, um, I always remember that there was this sort of shaky truce between the third doctor and Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, uh, because they were, were always at odds about how to deal with, foes and um the doctor makes a truce with the the silurians and everything is going to be fine the silurians are going to go back underground and uh you know the doctor takes his leave and brigadier orders a his men to a unit to open fire on them to blow up the cameras and Mm. yeah it's because we have to make sure so you know in all three cases you want to say well they're they're just doing their jobs but their jobs stink
0: isn't that the first that's the that's with the third doctor right yeah that i believe my friend is the very first story you and
1: i reviewed together on pod it was one of the silurian stories that yeah, I can't I mean, remember if that's NC If We got a so,
0: yeah. 50-50 chance. Right, yeah, I think. <laughs> exactly. It's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So real quick before we moved on, I was reading this, and I think it's worth mentioning because it's just a cool tie-in. Mary's mother was actually nicknamed because she was a healer too. Her mother was nicknamed not just called a doctoress, but she was nicknamed the doctoress. I just think that's a cool tie-in that for bringing cool. this character in, <laughs> and there's someone that was called the Doctor, the Doctor, in her family. So before we run out of time, or before time unravels, let's talk about the planet of time. This is where Yaz has been sent to. We've been talking about where uh, we've been talking about where Dan had been sent to, but Yaz got sent to the planet. Time as so was vendor sent to time. Did either of you, because I'll go ahead and answer my own question, did either of you feel like some sparks flew a little bit when vendor met Yaz, or was I reading more into it than what was their thoughts?
2: Um, not. Not really for me. Uh, I just thought it was... I feel like Yaz has always been kind of charismatic. I even felt that with her and Ryan, that they could have possibly had a spark, but not necessarily
1: for me. Mm. Lee, what about you? I I felt more like the editing was trying to lead us that way than anything in performance. So I got to say, I I sort of wonder what is... what was going on with Mandep Gill while they're shooting... Parts of this episode, because uh, it's not good. Some of her line readings are just very odd, I thought. And hmm. so I, I just kept thinking, wow, who, who, who's playing Yasmin this week? Because uh, look at it again and, and see. It's like she's been well, told to, to look at the camera and say her lines. And she's she's doing that. Hmm, I need to go back and look at the delivery. I
2: do feel like in those scenes at the temple, she was... You know, as she looked at her hand and had the "what would the doctor do" written down, I feel like she shifted a little bit in the way she was portraying her character. I thought it was just her trying to act more like the doctor, but but maybe it was just a change in how she was. Um, maybe it's bad acting. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of (laughs) the two.
0: Yeah, I I I don't want to say it was bad acting. I'm going to say it was maybe bad directing if there if there was I want to go back again I've only seen it once so definitely want to see it again but I did notice the reading the thing on the hand and that she did act a little bit different I'm going to say that it was bad editing I mean excuse me bad directing if there's something off only because we've not seen an off from Excuse me. We've not seen off from her before. You know what I'm saying? No,
1: that's it. I think that's why it stood out to me. So, yeah. Mm. Maybe that's going to happen. Go ahead. We're going to find out next week that that wasn't Yasmin at all. Oh, boy. Then how did it choose to send Yas to the temple
2: Mm -hmm. and send Dan back home? There are many questions. That was a weird Mm. thing for me.
0: Or is there a greater force that we don't know about manipulating all of this? It's true. Perhaps. But before, because I'm saving two characters for last, but I want to mention, well, and I also think that it was very convenient, if we want to say maybe a negative here, that Yaz and Vender just happened to meet up at the same place they were sent to the same place to me that was just very coincidentally convenient that that would be a you know if i was to say that's a negative that would be a negative yes it was needed to progress the story but it just so happens that this random character we see in episode one and our continuing companion for three series gets sent to the very exact same place that just happens to be a place that we've never heard of before. Well, also
2: Joseph Williamson got sent there as well. Oh, That's
0: true. Yeah. And we get the feeling he's been there for some time, but he is gone and we don't see him again for the rest of the episode. Exactly. So again, you know, I know this is a continuing story and I get that, but uh, just pointing that out. What do we think of the Mori, these five or six people that appear that have something to do with maintaining time? Have we ever had hints, Lee, of the Mori before? And if so, or if not, what did you think of them? And then, of course, Clarence, what do you think? So, Lee, what, have we ever heard of that n- name before?
1: I don't believe so. And uh, I I love the... Uh, the uh, but they kept calling it a triangle, even though it's a pyramid. Um, I, <laughs> I, I I really loved those, and um, and they call time uh, evil. Time is the mm. enemy, so that's an interesting perspective. And yeah, I, I, this is all new, and I, I think it's all very interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, these are the if if what if what to swarm and as you are saying is true. This is. This is uh, the center of the universe. All right. Clarence, what do you think? Uh, kind of the same uh, on what Lee said. I, really
2: not a lot for me to take away from it. I mean, because we just kind of get on the surface level of what they are and what the temple is. So um, I don't know. Just
1: waiting to see more on that one. Yeah. But I do love the look of them and that they, they're they invisible until somebody steps up onto the platform. And then, we, and then we learned that that's why somebody was being brought there was because Swarm and Azura have been quantum locked out of there. Azura says, after last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they need somebody else to to turn the thing on. But, yeah. I'm curious
0: of something. And this just popped. This is why I love doing this. The, this popped into my head as you guys were talking. I already had a thought. That I was going to bring up, but when one of you and I think Clarence, you said temple, it made a memory pop into my head, which is from the Ghost Monument, the second ser- episode of the first series of the Thirteenth Doctor, which is they they're in a ru- they're in the ruins of a, a temple. I think they refer to it. I'll, I need to go back and look and confirm if that's right or not. But assuming that that's right, when I saw the two mori that looked like were damaged or something had happened to, the drapings that they had, that they were dressed in, for some reason reminded me of those things that were in the desert that were coming alive, that first uttered, the timeless child. I wonder mm. if that's connected to what we're seeing. Because something about that their dressing reminded me of those wrapped sheets that were floating around mm-hmm. that were, you know, giving that it's hidden even from you thing. Hmm. May just me be me grasping yeah. at straws. No, here. I need to go
1: back and look at that again.
0: So let's get to the gem of this discussion because they look like gems. I'm curious to know, after we've seen more of Swarm and Azure, what are your thoughts about them? Either one of you, take it away.
2: It's interesting because they're, they know the Doctor's future. They know who Yaz is. So clearly they're going to have some altercation or run in in the future. And actually it reminded me a lot of river in some ways, the way the time is crossing, even, even swarm says, you think so linearly (laughs) to, to Yaz. And, and he says, why does the doctor choose you normal, uninteresting individuals or something to that effect? So it made me think I, the swarm has to be close to the doctor in some way. It could be a previous life or I, I don't know. I, I just think some way that both of those guys are going to tie in really closely to the doctor's history or lineage or, or something or future <laughs> or future.
0: Yeah. But it's clear that they know or at least Swarm knows the doctor from the past, the part that she doesn't know uh, is, is the impression that I get. Well, from, um, from
1: Swarm's past, anyway.
0: Or for at least from Swarm's past, which could be the doctor's future and wibbly-wobbly, heady-hurdy. I mean, you know, um, here's my take. They're campy. They're extremely campy. I shouldn't like them, but I really, really like both of these characters. I don't know why. Maybe I just like over-the-top characters, but sometimes over-the-top I I don't go for. But I really like the two of them for some reason.
2: (laughs) They brought Darkseid with them this time. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, very much looked like Darkseid. And what is that? Who is that? What is it? We don't.
1: Yeah, the closest word that they can come up with that we can understand is passenger. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out. But but no, I'm with you, Kyle. I, after after saying last week that uh, the the sort of um, mincing creep, the uh, the 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 debonair bad guy who you know who has all the power, um, just bores me. Uh, I found Swarm much more interesting in this episode, mm. and I and I can't really explain why. I think I'm going to give you a maybe Ooh.
0: of an explanation. I want to hear what you think, mm. which is, and I think you may have said this to me one time I was asking you about, you know, doing acting and the voice acting, etc. And, and I think I may have heard you say this, but if, if even if I didn't, I'm giving you credit for it, <laughs> but I feel like they owned the characters so well, the actors portraying them that they made them believable they they embodied these characters regardless of the fact that their teeth looked like jewels they got s- stones sticking out of one of them's head or whatever the, that that all didn't matter they just were the characters that they were they owned them and they made them believable yeah. that, that's mm-hmm. how that's how I that's how I feel like I'm accepting them is you you embodied these characters so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's maybe, just,
1: maybe what it. I was saying, I, I don't like about that, uh, cartoon villain. Um, I mean, the only reason he isn't twisting his mustache is because he doesn't have one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and it would be made of, yeah, spider legs or something, but, um, it, but yeah, I, th- I think maybe you're right is that it's easy for any actor to come to those lines and just sort of do that, uh, to, to play that stereotype, but now we're seeing how invested they are in the portrayal of these characters they they're committed this, they're going all out with it, and you're right, it is big and it is campy, and uh they know that their appearance shocks and horrifies other people and they like it you know yes uh, so, yeah. they're, so they're so they' so they're playing with that, and that's uh yeah that that is a lot more interesting than just saying the lines. And and the fact that we don't know anything about them, mm.
0: it it makes them, to me, more interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they do. You're, you're right. They feel more dangerous the more we realize that um, they have the advantage on all of our good guys. They they know what they're up to, and we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they scared the crap out of—well, I feel like they scared the crap
2: out of Yaz and Vendor. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> and and,
2: and the, the teleporting around— and them just having fun with that um yeah
0: they they had our they had our team frightened a little bit in this episode (laughs) well think about Um, it they look if you really look at their faces their skin looks like some kind of leathered colorized version of skin but that's that's some kind of plasticky leather look you don't have noses you do, you know and it's the skin is like literally melted onto the the bones it's it's very interesting the way they're presented visually literally i think like nothing that we've seen before on doctor who and maybe even on any other i think it's very unique It's not this bad guy whose face is obscured, you know, behind a hood or something. You see him, and he's there in all of his, you know, weird pompous glory. (laughs) I have one final question before we get into our closing. It feels like, and again, I'm not saying this is a bad or a good thing, but it feels like the Chibnall is playing with the foundation not more so the history of the doctor but the foundation of doctor who of what time and space and etc means and doctor who do you guys agree with that and if so what are your feelings about that clarence why don't you take it first i think of
2: fine with that. I I just feel like he's focusing more on the story just in general of of making a large and grand story just in general than he has kind of in the past. In the past, we had to worry about the relationships uh, at the very beginning of our new doctor and new companions. And since other than Dan, since that's out of the way and we have even less companions to worry about, I feel like now he's just went 100% into making the story a good story, tying in villains from times past and, and just making a good overall timey wimey story. Now, as far as it playing with how we think of time and doctor who, yeah, I mean, just like we got the, the big revelation of the doctor in last season, it looks like he's setting up something that can shatter what we, <laughs> Well, we know of how time works in the
0: world of Doctor Who.
2: I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it seems interesting at this point anyway. So,
1: yeah. All right. Lee, what say you? It is interesting to introduce uh, characters who believe that time is evil. Um, That's thought-provoking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You may remember that one of the riddles that... uh, um, Bilbo and Gollum toss around in The Hobbit. Um, the, I, I can't remember the, uh, the whole thing. I know friends who, who can, who can quote through the whole riddle, but it be, but he begins, this thing, all thing devours, all things devours. And it, and it goes on to list all the things that are destroyed by this thing. And the answer is time. So you know, from that point of view, yeah. you could argue time time is not your friend. Um, so I, I'm interested is that are we going to make a more of a case for that? And is that how does that affect somebody for whom time you could say doesn't matter? The Time Lords can go back and forth through time, but they also age. They have experiences. They have things happen to them that that hurt them. You know, that they carry pain inside them. I mean they're still subject to time like anybody else in a way uh so and and they figured out a way to to cheat the fact that eventually you're gonna grow old and die but you can only do it so many times (laughs) or so they say or so they say and then your time's up so yeah it's 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 interesting I, i was really intrigued by that that whole you know thing that we 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 had to build this temple and we have to establish this thing to hold time at bay because otherwise there'll just be time everywhere (laughs) and which is
0: something I guess our little feeble brains can't comprehend at Mm. least in my brain at this moment is isn't time already everywhere
1: yeah (laughs) yeah isn't it too late yeah I mean but then Swarm says this this wouldn't be good for a TARDIS we,
0: we gotta
2: preserve the sacred timeline that's guys. right Come yes on, we all know yes
1: that. Well,
0: <laughs> i know there can't be any variance but but my question is where were these Morai at 502 p.m oh
1: that's true when time stopped
0: yeah in april of 20 um 20, 2010 april whatever of 2010 mm-hmm. at 502 p.m time stopped so was that evil was with the Morat
1: on vacation? I don't know. No, no, that was the last time that Swarm and Azure were there. Ah, uh, mm. there you go. But see, I think you
0: you and your joke may have hit on where I was go- trying to go with this. So brilliant on your part, which was if this is adding, if this is explained in a way that adds to our thought of what Doctor Who time is. I'm all for it, you know, and Clarence, you said earlier, I don't know how, you know, others or you may feel about it, that my thought is, if you add to it, and embellish it, and make it better, great, if you are rewriting what (laughs) we already know, and contradict it, then maybe I'm not going to like that, but if you can, in story, make the story still be there, but now I know Because what I know is different than yes, but I know that's just a perception filter in my own head, but that's my two cents. So speaking of two cents, gentlemen, do you, either one of you, one or two, two cents, do either of you have any other things that we have not Um, discussed that you wanted to bring up?
2: We have to talk about this cliffhanger and not since... Peter Parker got dusted away. Was I like, you better not, you yeah. better not have done that.
1: And then we get the reveal. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that one hurt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, interestingly, they're both that their finger snaps in both cases. At least they still had some of their
2: sense. Cause he has responded to the doctor. Yeah. Telling the doctor to don't, don't do, do it. it. Just, He's too powerful. Yeah.
1: Lee thought. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very eager to, I hope she's going to be okay. And, um, so we'll, we'll see next time. Tune in tomorrow. Um, I, I, if I had a quibble about this one, just like, just like I didn't believe the creation of the Lupari shield, how, how quickly that shown on screen to have happened. Um, I have a similar question about this one. Is it, the Suntarans are, they're not geniuses. We get that. But they are apparently a successful warrior race everywhere except on Earth. Um, but <laughs> why would they make themselves so vulnerable by all returning to their ships at the same time? Yeah. It would. I. I think that that could have been handled so that we knew that they took two shifts, so that they're covering each other.
0: I don't know. It. That I know. I know. There's not efficient in the Sunpower and Empire.
1: Yeah. We do it all at one time. They do it all at once. <laughs> yeah. On ha,
0: well, whatever.
1: I, I like <tar-s2> that. I mean, yeah. You want to okay. say, well, warriors wouldn't do anything. It's just <laughs> willingly stupid, would they? But of course, look at what Logan does in this episode. So yeah. Mm good point good good point so yeah we'll we'll mark it up to hubris then they yeah nobody will bother us we're suntaran suntara
2: yeah i agree that was horrible and also i found it weird that they went back from 2021 dan's time to go and infiltrate the crimean war but somehow russia is already sun taran territory on the map Mm -hmm. and they i'm assuming they just got there i don't know that that felt weird to me they uh mary Seacole doesn't even know who the russians
0: are yeah well i'm assuming this was a little wibbly wobbly timing whiminess there i'm assuming that when they're back in the past what dan this is going to make your head hurt what dan and carbonista are stopping in 2021 had already happened in time, and they had gone to different points in time. When the in when the doctor is with Mary, and that's how Russia had been replaced by Santar, because they had already gone in the past at different points in the further past and changed the past. So that's why Santar was there. Yeah, and but they were there at that particular time because that dude wanted to wanted to ride a horse.
2: That's what I thought too at first, but he did say, or it was mentioned that this was the pilot trial or the trial run and going in the past. So I I don't know, but what you said totally
1: makes sense though. Well, and the doctor tells Mary that she thinks that this must have in, in real time on the sacred timeline, this must have happened fairly recently because Mary and Logan still have trace memories of how things were before.
0: Yes, mm. and there was at one point, especially in the very beginning of the episode, where it was like you could almost see them being rewritten a little bit, huh. like the like they like they were saying something and like their face kind of just like jumped a, a little bit uh, for a second, like there was like, a no that's hic- not right hiccup in time. Yeah, hmm. but you know what is not a hiccup in time, which is the title for our next episode, which is once. Comma, upon
1: time. I think that's an interesting, interesting name. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Once upon time. It's so probably the only reason why that planet is—we're saying that it's called time—is so we can make that joke. But yeah. Oh, now I just got what that
0: means. Ah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. righty Well, that means before. I just obviously lose something else that quite that is quite obvious. Let me say, Clarence Brown, what was your favorite quote?
2: My favorite quote would be between uh, the Centaur's Dan and Carvinista. The Centaur says, "Spying is an act of treason against Centaur." Dan, yeah, yeah, I heard all of this. Centaur uh, troops, prepare for execution. Ready, aim. I don't think so. I still got a human in this fight. <laughs> Love it.
1: Love Which it. tells us that on the Lupar home planet, that they actually... uh <laughs> half, half <laughs> humans. Pit humans against each other in uh, savage fights. Ruff, ruff. Yeah. Just want
0: to say. All right. <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Lee. Maybe they were taking their human out to have it groomed. I don't know. <laughs> but before we take our humans out to Mm. have them groomed lee shackleford favorite quote take this in case you need it
1: yeah i just love it
0: (laughs) all right mine i've got to go back to clarence i've still got a dog in this i mean i've still got a human in this fight i think that that Mm -hmm. is cool all right next one next one next one which is favorite scene I think my favorite scene was, and it's going to be bad if I wind up hating these two characters. Any character would swarm, any scene with swarm, and as you're in it, I just think they stole the scenes across the board. So that's going to be my cop-out answer to my favorite
1: scene. Lee Shackelford, favorite scene? It may seem like a strange choice, but I really loved... You know, I was leaning forward in my seat um, when uh, the British Army engaged with the Suntarans and just watching them get wiped out because it's terrible, of course. But it's what we it's what we knew was going to happen. So you just kind of want to see it play out. And and it's it's actually in a schadenfreude way. It's 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 satisfying to watch Logan's face during all of this. This is not what Mm -hmm. he thought was going to happen, but it's what he was warned would happen. He just didn't listen. Mm -hmm. So I love that.
2: And Logan playing dead was,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that got on my nerves. (laughs) Very good. Clarence. What say you?
2: my favorite scene is when Yaz, the Morai robot and vendor, where Yaz says, "I'm gonna need more information. Take us through the basics, idiot's guide," <laughs> and the robot said, "Repair must not be taken by undertaken by idiots." And then Vendor does does something with his next line, which I'm gonna use. And the way he put it is a good way to say it without saying dumb it down for yeah. me. He says, "Explain Morai, Ex- explain Asp- uh, Astropus, and set context for repair." Yeah. So he he. Rewords it to not sound like they don't know anything in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I just like
1: that. Yeah. He says she she thinks you're gonna know this cultural reference of idiots guide. And you don't. So let's try this. How about if you tell <laughs> us first this simple thing and then build on it with this simple thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really admired that too. Like, oh he's good. All right, so
0: did I give a favorite scene? Yeah, I did. Okay. Awesome. So final rating, final rating and Clarence Bruno, I'll start with you. Final rating.
2: I've been thinking about this for a while and I'm going to go with a 4.8. Mm, 4.8. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it, man. What kind of 4.8? Oh man. I always forget this 4.8. Oh, Wow um Santarin time ships out of five
0: <laughs> okay
1: lee Shackelford, what say ye? i really got to give a high number here too i'm going to give it uh four and a half tennyson quotes um, the doctor says half a league onwards which is from the charge of the light brigade a poem about the crimean war so she's actually there mm-hmm. saying half a league onwards <laughs> Four and a half Tennyson uh, quotes, yeah. All
0: right. I'm going to give this one, this is going to be good. I'm going to give it a 4.75 jewel-encrusted teeth mm. out of five. Which mm, is fewer <laughs> than they have, I think. Yeah, there mm. you go. <laughs> all right. You know, just think, you could just steal one of their teeth and, like, go get rich from it. Because, I mean... Are still some of their jewels off of their body. And I mean, literally I off their body. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not the family jewels. The... <laughs> okay, we don't want so to
0: you, know. You gave me a thought in my head. I did yes, not want no. to see. So, I wonder if they are jewels. Anyway, um, <laughs> with that being said, we will be back very soon for another installment of part three of Flux, which obviously we are very much enjoying. So for everyone listening, thank you for joining. We're glad that you're here, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more
1: at discussingnetwork.com.